Father, I, I, it cost a price that we'll never be under, uh, able to understand to be able to see our sin upon that cross. But through that shed blood that poured out that day, we can have a we have hope of eternity spent with you, Father. Father, as we continue to celebrate the birth of you, your risen son, Father. Father, I just pray you'll instill in us the, the joy and hope to be able to go and share and spread the gospel, share the good news, Father. Father, may we proclaim our risen Lord Savior like the angels at heart, the herald angel sings. Father, may we uh, pronounce it to the world and go tell it on the mountain. And Father, I just pray that you'll continue to instill in us your strength and your wisdom, Father, as we go through the time of transition, Father. Father, that we may keep our eyes focused on you to seek out your will, Father, and the plan that you have for us, Father. And Father, as this season continues, Father, may we be a light for you into this darkened world. And Father, it's in these things we ask and pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke this morning. And while you're turning there and while I turn there, let me take just a minute and uh, cover a couple things. You saw the Lottie Moon video, uh, which ties in well with uh, the the service, the message this morning. Uh, We have a responsibility and a great privilege to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, to tell people without hope that there is hope. To tell people who are feeling unloved that there is love. And that's our privilege. That's our joy during the Christmas season. Uh, So I already sense, uh, it's just going to be one of those days, amen? Um, Here's the thing I want to say right from the start this morning, and and, and I'm I'm, going to have to ramble a little bit until I get where the Holy Spirit wants me to be, amen? But can I just say out loud, the devil has lost He's lost. He's fighting a war that he's lost. And I have to say that this morning because I can sense he's trying to fight a little bit. I think he knows where we're going. I think he knows why we're here today. And He's not bothering you. He's trying to bother me. And he ought to know by now that, does ne- that never works well for him. Because the sermon I usually preach when he starts doing that, usually, usually great things happen. So, uh, so I just want to just go ahead and say out loud so that he can rethink what he's doing. Amen? Because I'm here to worship God this morning. I'm here to celebrate the Christmas season. I'm here not to look at the news and the media and listen to what's going on in the world, but to hear from the Word of God that there's hope, there's joy, there's love, there's peace. These things still exist in the world today. And there is a God who is on His throne who loves and cares for everybody that's in this room this morning, and not just that, but everybody who's outside the walls of this church today. And it's our joy and our privilege to be able to take that message to them. And so I want to I welcome, I want to welcome our families that are with us this morning uh, from Mableton Elementary, our families that are here. It's our joy and privilege to be able to minister to you during this Christmas season. When the service is over, we're going to go downstairs. We've got some food we're going to provide. We're going to have a little meal together and, uh, and just celebrate the Christmas season with y'all. We're so glad y'all are here this morning. And, uh, and with that in mind, as we look around this morning, I want you to think this morning about who you'd like to see here that isn't here. 
I'd like you to look around and think about who it is that you would like to see here that isn't here. And then start praying now, even as we go through the end of this year and go into 2020, about how we can see those individuals brought into this church where they can hear the message, not that the preacher wants to give them, but that God wants to give them. Not the message that we as a church think they need to hear, but that the Word of God says they need to hear. Amen? And so I want you to think about that. Turn to Luke. Luke chapter 2 this morning. Luke chapter 2 this morning. I said last week that we were going to talk about the shepherds. Last week we talked about the wise men. This week we're going to talk about the shepherds. Now, I don't know if any of you are like me. Uh, my sinuses, they kick in without any warning. They do that every year. I was cruising along. I, I got a little bold last week. I made the mistake of saying, hey, I haven't had any sinus problems this year. It's going to, and then, bam, there they came. So uh, I think I jinxed myself. But, uh, but here's the thing. I'm going to preach, and I'm going to try as preach best I can, and, 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 and uh, I'm going to get through this, and, and you're going to get through it with me. Amen? Because here's the problem. If my voice goes, then I'm just going to run across. I'm just going to just run back and forth so you get the message. Amen? If I get to shouting, and I can't shout anymore, and you, I'm just going to let you know one way or another that I'm excited about where we are this morning. Amen? I love this story. I love this story. Luke chapter 2. I want you to uh, begin reading in verse 8 with me. If you've got your Bibles and if you don't look on with somebody there that you can follow along with. And we're going to read in Luke chapter 8 down to verse 20. Uh, and, and, and before we even get there, one of my, I love this story. It came on the other night. How many of you watch Charlie Brown Christmas? How many of you watch it every year? How many of you got the DVD? All right. Uh, amen. I love it. I love I love at the, towards the end of the, of the story in the cartoon when, when little Charlie Brown's getting frustrated and he says, can't someone tell me what Christmas is all about, right? And then little Linus steps up with his, with his blanket. He says, I can tell you what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And then he tells this story right here, amen? Let's look at it together. In verse 8, there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth, and goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. I'm going to do something a little bit different this morning. Um, let's see, is this on? I'm going to turn it on. Is it on or do I need to turn it on? All right. I'm going to turn this one off. And I'm going to use this one. That way if I need to cough or sneeze or something, it won't be. Is that amen? I'm going to turn it off. There we go. All right, everybody, we're good now. All right. I, I, amen. Now I feel like 
feel like a TV preacher now. I don't know. It's just, uh, amen. I'm going to get through this as quickly as we can and as excited as I can and still keep my voice. Amen. I want, I want to share five things with us from this story this morning. And, and, and the first thing I want you to look, even, even before we get into it, is I want you to look at verse 8. It says that we're in the same country, shepherds, abiding in the field, abiding in the field. And that word abiding in the New Testament means they were at home. They were fully comfortable there. They were right where they needed to be, where they were supposed to be. They knew exactly where they were, where they, where they were and why they were there. Amen? That word abiding means they were comfortable. They were in their element. They were doing what they were gifted to do. They were shepherds abiding in the fields, and it says keeping watch over their flock by night. And just so you know this, that little phrase in the Greek, keeping watch, it's a, it's a double positive. It literally means keeping keep or watching watch or guarding guard. So not only were they perfectly at home where they were and doing what they were doing, but they were diligent in doing what they were doing. They had a job to do. They were doing their job. They were going about the very job that they'd been doing every day of their life, every other day, every other night. They were doing exactly what they'd always done, but this night's going to be a little bit different. Something's going to happen tonight unlike any other night. And I say all that to say this. Can you imagine? You've already read the story. Can you imagine what it's going to be like the next day? Could you imagine something like this happening? And, and, and the next day, the shepherd that called in sick? Have you ever thought about the next morning as they're talking about what happened and that one shepherd who just, I just don't feel like going and for watching the flocks tonight. I just, or maybe, you know, and, 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 and he missed it. Can you imagine what that's like? Can you imagine what happens when, 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 when you and I, here's the thing, I say all that to say this because this message is important for this reason. As you go through the daily routine of your life, that's when God will meet you. That's when the miracle occurs. That's when the miraculous moment comes. You're just going about the daily routine of your life. And when you least expect it, when you're just doing what you've been called to do, that's when God's going to show up in a, in, a, in a powerful and wonderful way. Amen? See, we think sometimes we have to do something dynamic, something special to get God to show up. No, you just have to be you. You just have to walk where you're supposed to walk. You're just supposed to do what you're supposed to do. Just be the person that God's already made you to be. And he'll show up in the way he needs to show up when the time is right. Amen? So with all that, I want to share these five things. First thing I want to share is the appearance. Look at verse 9. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel of the Lord came upon them. They're just, if, if, have you seen the movie, The Nativity? I love that movie. came out a couple years ago, went and saw it in theaters, bought the DVD. I love the movie. If you haven't seen The Nativity, I love it. Because that scene where the shepherds are just there, in the field, and all of a sudden that bright light appears on top of the hill, and they look up, and there's an angel standing there, and he's proclaiming this message to them. See, the first thing that happens, beloved, when God wants to do something miraculous in your life and mine, the first thing we need to understand in this world is that before anything can happen, there has to first and foremost be an appearance by God, that he has to show up in his way and in his time. Are you with me, amen? See, we, we think we can control God. But remember, they were, just, they were just out doing their own thing. They were just they were doing what they'd been doing, been doing their whole life. And then God shows up. The angel of the Lord appears, and he brings a message to them. And, and, and of course, they're going to be so afraid. What do you, what do you I mean, if, what would you do if all of a sudden an angel appeared? But look at, look at verse 10. The angel said unto them, his first words were, fear not. Fear not. When God shows up, it's intimidating. It's frightening. It's powerful. It can be overwhelming. But when God shows up, his first words to us are fear not. His first words are fear not, especially in this moment, in this time in Scripture, when he's showing up with what's about to happen here. This is not a moment when God wants the world to be afraid. 
This is a moment where God wants the world to be at peace and to be at rest. See, there's enough fear in the world as it is. Amen? God did not come. The Bible says God did not come to give us a spirit of fear. Amen? But a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And I look at the world today, and I'm going to tell you that right now, more than ever, we, there's, there's, there's plenty of fear, and there's plenty of hatred. What we need is we need a spirit of love. We need a spirit of peace. We need to hear from God saying to the hearts of mankind today, fear not, because I've done something that's going to change the way you interact with each other in this world. So look at the announcement. Continue reading verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. That's what the Christmas season is about. It's not about fighting over presents at the Walmart. Every year there's some new video that gets posted and I just shake my head. And I go, that is not what Christmas is about. Amen? And I put up lights. I love the lights. I love the sights and the sounds of Christmas. But that is not what Christmas is about. Christmas is about God speaking to and stepping into a world that is so divided and so chaotic and so, uh, so absent from peace and saying to us, I've come to give you peace. I've come to give you love. I've come to give you something that you can't get in this world on your own. If God doesn't show up, we don't have this. Amen? If God doesn't show up, there is no peace. In fact... One of the rebukes that God made in the Old Testament, and I think it's in Jeremiah, he said, Woe unto those prophets who are not my prophets, who do not speak in my name, for they say to you, peace, peace, when in fact there is no peace. Because the only way that peace comes, beloved, is when it comes from God. Sin has broken this world and divided us, so we don't know how to get along, rich, poor, black, white, young, old. We don't know how to talk to each other anymore. You turn on the news, and what does it do? Does it make you happy? No, if you're like me, it makes you angry. I got angry the other morning. I, I made the mistake before I went to get on the school bus. I was in the break room there, and the TV came on, and they showed something on the news, and I, and I, and I, and I, just, I just started venting right there in front of all the other bus drivers. They look at me like I was crazy. Okay, and, 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 and I'm not the only preacher that's, that's, that's a bus driver. And the, the other preachers, and there was a deacon in there too, and they were like, he has lost his mind. And I said, yeah, yeah, I have. I've lost my mind. I've let this world, I've let this world speak louder to me than the word of God. And, and, and sometimes, love, you just need to turn that nonsense off. Amen? You, you, don't, you don't, just don't need to watch it. Just turn it off. Stop listening to it. Just, just get into the Word of God. And if you don't read anything else, read this. Read this passage over and over and over again until it sinks into our hearts and minds that God has not come to give us all the foolishness we're seeing in the world today. The announcement is not an announcement. Behold, I bring you more war, more division, more strife, more anger. But behold, I bring you good tidings. Good tidings, glad tidings of great joy. Uh, a Savior is born unto you, Christ the Lord. And, and He's for all people. And, and, and peace on the earth and goodwill to all men. God came to do something that we could not get on our own. So you have the appearance, then you have the announcement. Well, then there's an anticipation that follows. When you hear something like this, doesn't it excite you a little bit? Are you excited this morning about the possibility that we can still have peace in this world? You don't sound very excited. <laughs> See, there's the anticipation. When I hear somebody say something like this, peace to all men, that excites me. 
especially when I look around and I don't see much peace. But I begin, that anticipation begins to build. Look, look, at, look at verse 15. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. <clears throat> one of my favorite stories in the Bible is after the crucifixion of Jesus, after everything has happened, and after Easter Sunday, rumors begin to spread that Jesus' body is no longer in the grave. And, and, and Peter and John go to the tomb. And as they're approaching the tomb, they begin to walk a little bit faster. And at some point, the Bible, sells, the Bible tells us that John ran on ahead of Peter. That every step they got closer to that tomb, he got more excited. He ran, he ran, he got so excited, he ran right up to the tomb ahead of Peter. But then he, he got to the tomb and he stopped. Peter caught up with him and Peter went in first. There was that anticipation. There was that excitement. There's what is going on here. And, and these shepherds, as they, as they, left, as they left their flocks, they, they, they went down. They said, let's go and let's see this thing which the Lord has made known unto us. Can you imagine what it was like as they worked their way down the hill? Can you imagine as, as they began their journey down into the city of Bethlehem? looking down on the city and seeing the lights, the little bit of lights that were there and, and, and the lateness of the evening. And as they go down and they're, and they're wondering, what is this? What does this mean, this Savior in, in lowly Bethlehem? Let me tell you a little bit about Bethlehem. The name Bethlehem means house of bread. And a lot of things happen in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is the place where Rachel died. It's the place where David's mighty men brought him water from a well. Bethlehem is historically a place of sacrifice and satisfaction. It was the place where Ruth and Boaz met and fell in love. It's the place of romance and redemption. And here in the little town of Bethlehem, the house of bread, the very bread of life, was born. And as they walked down to, to see uh, anticipation, I'm, I'm asking us this morning, are you excited about the fact are you anticipating the fact that what we don't see right now fully, that we're not there fully and completely where God is taking this world and the path that we're on, that there's going to come a day, there's going to come a day, there's going to come a day. I don't know how southern that is. There's coming a day, amen? There's coming a day when you and I will see this same Jesus, but not as a little baby as the risen Savior, the Lord of all creation. We're going to see him one day. Do you, do you, do you well up with anticipation during the Christmas season? One of the things, that I, I look forward to getting up on Christmas morning, the lights, and music. I make breakfast in our house. We have a tradition. I make breakfast. I make a mean breakfast, amen. And, and I get, we make breakfast, and we watch the TV Christmas shows, and, 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 and we open presents and the lights and the sounds, and it's exciting. And I think about that morning when Jesus was born. But you know what I would love? I would love, I would love if when Jesus came back, I would love if Jesus came back on Christmas Day. I would love it if I woke up in the morning and I didn't have to prepare breakfast because I'm in heaven with him and there's a banquet spread. I cook a mean breakfast, but I promise you, God can cook a better breakfast than I can. Amen? And there's a banquet table spread. And we're going to be together with him. We're going to be there and we're going to worship him for the rest of it. I'm looking forward to that. Does your heart well up with anticipation this morning? We don't always get along. And, 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 and the longer I live in this world the harder it is for me sometimes to keep my joy and to keep this promise of peace. Amen? I'll I share this with you. Why not? 
There's a, there's, a, there's a ventriloquist, and he has a puppet named Walter. Say, yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Walter never smiles. You know Walter? <laughs> Grumbling, complaining about everything. I was watching that. It was probably two years ago now, and I even thought about it the other day after my little incident in the break room. I told my wife, I said, when did I become Walter? I mean, I hear about men, you know, men, men get older and we become grumpy, you know, and they made a movie, Grumpy Old Men. They made two of them, Grumpy Old Men and Grumpy Old Men 2. And I, and I thought, when did I, when, I'm becoming a grumpy old man. What's happening? I'll tell you what happens. We take our eyes off of the promise. And we look too much at this world. Amen. So I'm here this morning to tell you I'm, I'm refocusing my vision on, on the message and the ministry that God has given me and that he's given you. And, and, and I don't want that anticipation to build up. Can you imagine? They were at the right place at the right time to hear God speak. Let me give you the fourth thing. I got so much more. Look at verse 16, number four this morning. It says, they came with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. So they started that journey, but apparently when they, however they got there, they, they got there quicker than when they started because in verse 16, they came with haste. They went quickly. Some things you hear and you, you, you think about it, like, like Peter and, and John running to the tomb. Some things we hear about, maybe we just we ponder it, we walk slow. You know, we don't, it doesn't excite us that much. But there are some things, there are some things in this world that when we hear it, it ought to move us a little quicker. It ought to, it ought to help us step a little more hastily. Not irresponsibly, but quickly. Amen? Move with haste. Move with haste. And, and, and so, in verse 16, they... They went and they saw Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, now get this. The message that the wise men, we talked about this last week. They said, where is he that is born the king of the Jews? And this message, here the message is, it's the savior, he's a savior born for the whole world. A little bit different. But the wise men went looking for the king of the Jews. And the Bible promises that one day Jesus is going to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's going to rule. He is now, and one day he will rule from David's throne. Amen. But this is a different story here. See, they didn't find the babe in a palace. Because even though he was and is the King of kings, he did not come the first time to rule as a king. They didn't find him in a nobleman's home. Because he didn't come to rule as a rich man or an economically astute leader of politics and finance. What they found was a baby lying in a manger. And a manger, if you know a manger, is a place where they put the straw and the hay to feed the flocks. And they found the babe lying in a manger because he wouldn't rule as a king. He wouldn't rule as a rich man. But he would rule as the Lamb of God. Slain before the foundation of the world. They found him in the place where you would find a sacrificial lamb. They found him in the place, born, signifying that while most of humanity would not even notice his birth, it would change the very world 
And for 2,000 years, that message has been changing lives and changing the world. <coughs> and here's the final thing this morning. Oh, wait a minute. I said five things. There's six. My bad. Here's the fifth thing. It's all right. We're getting closer. There's not seven. I promise. Here's the fifth thing. Look at their actions. Look at verse 17. When they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. What were their actions? What did they do? How did this message change them? They didn't just leave and go, well, that was nice. Saw a little baby born. That's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. A baby in a manger. You ever seen that? I've never seen that. All right, let's go back to the sheep. No. When they left, they left with an attitude they didn't have before. They left glorifying where they couldn't glorify before. They left praising where they couldn't praise before. They left glorifying and praising God because they had heard and seen something told unto them by God, and it changed the way they lived every day after that. Beloved, when you hear this message, and we go through this Christmas season, and we sing the songs and, 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 and everything, has it changed you? Does it renew you? Does it change you every year? Do you get excited every year by the fact that you can now glorify and praise God in a way you couldn't do it before? And it's not because of anything you and I have done. It's because of who God is and the fact that he revealed himself to us. And here's the thing, beloved. You're not special just because he revealed himself to you. He's revealed himself to everyone. You are no better you are no worse. Nobody in this room can say that this message came to us with any greater glory. It came to all people in the same fashion. In the same, those shepherds heard it, and we've been hearing this same message. It's been told for 2,000 years. You read about it in the Word of God. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter what language you speak, what country you live in. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have. This message is for you. And it's for anyone who will receive it. And, and I hear people talk all the time, I, I, I want to have something in my life that I can really glory in. I wish I had something I could really celebrate. I, I got news for you. I got something you can glory in. I got something you can celebrate. You can celebrate the birth of a child who comes into this world to make all men equal and to give all men hope. And so what's the application? What's the application? Let me give this to you quickly. This is the sixth thing, and we're done. <laughs> Maybe. Look at verse 8. There were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. What, what do we need to do with this message? Number one, you need to stay right where you are until God moves you. You need to keep doing what you're doing. Because whatever your gifts are, whatever your calling is, whatever your position in life, you are there. It is appointed by God. And when he's ready to move you and change you and do something in your life, he will do it. You need to stay right where you are. Don't think there's something bigger or better out there that you can seek on your own. The only bigger or better you will ever find is the bigger and better that comes from God. So stay right where you are and keep doing what you're doing. Say, oh, Brother Ian, you don't know my life right now. You're right, I don't, but my God does. Your God does. And he knows exactly what you need. And I can't give you what you need, but he can. So just stay right where you are. Just hang in there. 
Turn off the TV. Get away from those things that are causing you to lose hope and just stay right where you are. Then number two, look at verse 15. After the angels left, the shepherds said, Let us go into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. Number one, you need to stay. And then number two, when God tells you to move, when God gives you the message that he wants to give you, then you obey. You stay and then you obey. Don't move until God tells you to move. I heard a preacher say one time, if you don't know what to do your life, if you don't know what to do your life, just do something and God will join you in it. I think that could be dangerous at times. Amen? My Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So you just need to stay where you are and you need to wait until you know that God has called you to do something and then you need to obey him, amen? And here's what we do. We'll stay. We'll say, that's fine. I'm waiting and then God speaks. All right, here's what I want you to do. And we go, well, I don't know if I want to do that. And we need to obey. And see, these shepherds could have said, you ever seen anything like that? No, I've never seen anything like that. Was that an angel? I think it was an angel. What do you think we ought to do? Huh? I'm going to go back to sleep. Oh, no. No, when God speaks to you, and you know it's God who speaks to you, you can't help but move. So stay, and then obey, and then number three, proclaim. Proclaim. Look at verse 17. When they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. When God moves in your life, when he does something miraculous in your life, you will not be able to keep it quiet. You can't help but talk about it. Okay, I, I, don't, I don't want to be mean when I say this. It's going to sound mean, but I just it, it breaks my heart. Do you want to know why sometimes we, we talk so little of Jesus? It's because we experience so little of him, because we're not walking with him. We're not walking in obedience with him. And, and the reality is, if God has done something in your life, you have a message to share, and somebody needs to hear it. And there's somebody, there's somebody out there who needs to hear the message, and they can only hear it from you. And, and, and you, need to, you need to proclaim, you need to tell, you need to talk. And the closer you are to Jesus, the more that you know that God has done a miracle and a work in your life, you can't be quiet about that. When angels appear, when God moves like he moved in the lives of these shepherds, they couldn't stay where they were. They had to go and see. And when they saw, they couldn't keep it quiet. They had to tell everybody they could. When God moves in your life, you can't keep your mouth shut. And even when people who don't want to hear it tell you to shut up, you'll keep talking anyways. And hopefully by God's grace one day, those same people who are telling us, I don't want to hear it, I don't want to hear it, I don't want to hear it, one day finally maybe they will hear it. And the light will come on. And then they will be able to shut up. Could you imagine the difference the church of Jesus Christ could make in the world today if God's people just couldn't stop talking about God. Less about politics, less about religion, less about class, and more about the Savior of the world. Wouldn't that make a difference in the world today? I wrote this down. I'll close with this. If our greatest need were an educator... Were education, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need were technology, God would have sent a, a scientist. If our greatest need were money, he, he would have sent an economist. If our greatest need was for pleasure, he would have sent an entertainer. But the Bible says God sent a Savior because our greatest need 
is salvation. Our greatest need is to be saved from our sins. And when we understand that Jesus is the one who delivers us from everything that's broken in this world, then we'll find our pleasure in the right place. We'll understand how to use technology. We'll understand what it means to be educated. We'll use all those things for the glory of God. But when those things are put in front of God, they'll push God out. And beloved, I, I want to say to us this morning that we've got to put God back where he belongs. Not just as some historical figure. Oh, and by the way, I had a lady the other day, must have been a couple of months ago now, we were talking, and I said something. We were talking about the worlds of terrible. We were, we were eating at Chick-fil-A. Bus drivers, we were eating at Chick-fil-A. Bus drivers, the conversations we have, goodness. We were at Chick-fil-A, and we were talking about something. I said, well, it's going to get better. And one of the ladies sitting across from me, she says, no, it ain't. I said, yeah, it is. And then she said, I know you ain't talking about Jesus. You know he's a myth, right? Well, the girl sitting beside me looks at her. And said, you know he's a preacher, right? <laughs> and everybody's demeanor changed at that point. And I wasn't even sure what to say. And I said, whether you believe it or not, it's going to get better. Because he is real and he is coming back. And she quickly changed the subject. But she heard. Amen? Beloved. What I want us to know more than ever this Christmas season is the message we have is a message of salvation. It's a message of redemption, of deliverance from everything in this world that is broken. Especially those things. And, and, it, and, it, and my wife can tell you in, in, in the 20 years of pastoring and pastoring all around Georgia and seeing different things, I've, I've seen, I don't, I don't think I've seen every possible form of division that you can find, but I've seen plenty of things to divide us. I've ministered in churches and in counties and in towns, and, I, and I've been in places, and I've been involved in enough things that I've seen the things that divide us. But the more I live in this world, the more I read the Word of God, the more I walk with my God, the more I find that there is one very clear thing that can and will unite us, and that is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Savior of all mankind. Because it's amazing how two people can be standing talking about politics and disagreeing. And then all of a sudden, they're talking about Jesus and they're in agreement. You could be talking about all kinds of things, but when it comes to God, when you believe in God, that's what pulls us together. That's why I love the fact that the Bible says that he took out of all men, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. He took Jews and Gentiles, rich and poor, young. And he took all of us and he made us one body, one family. A family that doesn't know class and color and race. It doesn't know those things. Because when you're a part of the family of God, you are sharing the greatest message this world has ever known. That Jesus Christ is a Savior who came to all people. I close with this. In the movie The Nativity, spoiler alert, at the very end, no, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to make you watch the movie. There's a scene at the end. Mary and Joseph and the baby, they're in the manger there. The shepherds and the wise men arrive. And they're standing outside. And they're looking. And Mary looks at Joseph and Joseph looks at Mary and they nod at each other. And then she looks at those standing at the entrance 
to the little cave where they are. And she says, it's okay. Come on in. He is for all people. Beloved, it's Jesus and only Jesus. It's going to change this world and make a difference, not just this Christmas season, but every Christmas and every year to come until Jesus comes back. Amen. And I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning.